0: Okay then, let me not mess about any more and start the podcast. Hello everyone, thanks for tuning in. You are, as usual, listening to my podcast, Captain Roy's Rusty Rocket Radio Show, the UK Geek Science Fiction, Fantasy and Horror Podcast. This is episode 459, recorded on... Monday the 10th of October 2022 at 23.43.28. I have quite a feature-packed show tonight. Should be good. Let's just start the pre-show section with some random rambling preamble. I was going to start this show about 40 minutes ago. But there was a lot of faffing about. There was some mic faffing, then I left the mic to warm up, and then a migraine smacked me in the face, and I could barely see what I was typing. Hence this slight delay in starting the show tonight. Yeah, that migraine was very entertaining. I had an aura, something called a scintillating scotoma, scintillating, flickering brightly, I suppose, and scotoma, something to do with a worm, which does describe it nicely. Mine was flickering to the beat of Iron Butterfly's Inagada vida, that suddenly started up in my head as this weird earworm, just about the time that the aura started. It was very psychedelic space rock. On from my space rock migraine to the ancestors. I'm wishing everyone a belated Pitru Paksha, even more belated than my belated birthday announcement. I'm going to monstrously simplify this, but Pitru Paksha is a sort of Halloween for Hindus involving the veneration of dead ancestors. The ritual honours paternal ancestors, and basically meant my dad had to pour some water in the direction of the sunset. Halloween, All Hallows' Eve, already partially originates from the Celtic Samain, both of which venerate the dead. The similar time of the year and association with the ancestors is probably why they became conflated in my head when I was a child with Pitru Paksha, because I see my parents doing this sort of thing at the same time of the year that we're sort of celebrating the dead in Western culture as well. And the two things just became one in my brain, which is partially why Halloween is so special to me. The other reason is my recently discovered fondness for savoury pumpkin pie. Oh my god, that is so good. Savoury pumpkin pie and cider. Come to think of it, isn't cider an autumn-ish drink as well? Anyway, while we're talking about Halloween, unfortunately, and as usual, local retailers are drained of stock and have already put out the Christmas products. I mean, what the hell? Every year I complain about this retail idiocy, And I sound like a broken record. This is like my recent rant about lack of summer clothes in actual summer. Stupid shops. On from Halloween stock shortages to horror season. (laughs) Horror movie season is upon us. Horror season in general. And that is reflected in... Tonight's title, content, and many of the images in this week's show notes. I don't usually stick more than one image into show notes. Today's show notes is festooned with them. Although, as usual, I should say that you do not need to read the show notes if you don't want to. They stand on their own, as does the podcast, and I will give verbal descriptions of the images as well. So if you're sight-impaired, don't worry. I'll do my best to describe any visual content in this episode. I don't do that just because I'm being inclusive, although that's a good reason. I do it because I like to think that these podcasts can stand on their own one day, if they become disconnected somehow from the show notes. And now I'm going to go off-piste for a moment, and then back on, because I'm feeling a bit moany. No surprise there. But as I said, I will try and limit myself to hot takes, and I'm going to do that now. I have multiple reasons for being... bit miffed this week, to say the least. Western fascism is on the rise in Italy, and our own Prime Minister Liz Truss is doing a strangely ingratiating, even more so than Neville Chamberlain, licking fascist boots. Our energy bills are still astronomical after the freeze on the average tariff, which by the way, is calculated as £2,500. Yeah, good luck finding anyone whose average tariff is only that high. We're a pretty frugal family, and believe me, the energy company want a lot of money from us. All this, without the additional windfall tax on obscenely profiteering energy companies. Great. We also have the spectre of... Nuclear Armageddon? Looming? Thanks a lot, Vladimir. The climate continues to implode, although by now, just saying that is redundant. There were recent revelations of British war crimes in Palestine, and here's the local cherry on top. I had to spend half an hour getting absolutely nowhere on Saturday, trying to report vandalism of a local Roman excavation site, that some stupid brainless bastards were messing up just for laughs, in broad daylight, right in front of me and a lot of head-in-the-sand witnesses. What a complete waste of time. And now it's Monday, and I've had no reply from my email complaining about this and telling them that something terrible is going on. The local authorities, in my area and all areas, won't look after our millennia-old heritage. They should just leave it buried. That's the ex-archaeologist in me getting annoyed. I am going way off track now, so I'll stop. For all those infuriating reasons... Clumsy segue coming up. It is a welcome relief to dive into the comparatively benign escapism of horror season. Let us enjoy the horror, and let the screaming begin with Hellraiser. Hellraiser 2022 is the long-awaited Hulu TV movie reboot of Clive Barker's cult horror classic. I... ...have reported about this reboot for years. It was going to be a film, then it was going to be a TV series, and now it's a TV movie. It has been all over the place. This new movie is based on Clive Barker's horror novella, The Hellbound Heart, from 1986. It is about, as if I need to tell horror aficionados at this stage, Sado-masochistic demons from a hell dimension, lurking and ready to tempt the unwary within the confines of an ancient puzzle box called the Lament Configuration. I went all hammy there for a moment. Oh, the Lament Configuration. Let's go back in time to the 1987 Hellraiser movie. That... Is a film I love and have talked about many times before, but it always struck me as rather odd, even when it first came out. An example of that, possibly the most prominent example of this oddness, is it had a transatlantic setting, cast plonked into a geographical no man's land, to make it palatable to both UK and US audiences, that very shallow marketing ploy only ever worked in an unintended manner, making it actually add to the unsettling subject matter of the film. It worked for me, but that wasn't intentional. This new 2022 movie... Starts with an entirely unnecessary bwahm. <laughs> As it opens in Belgrade, I have to ask myself what exactly is so sinister about contemporary Belgrade? Then we move to America, where a recovering druggie named Riley is manipulated by her boyfriend to indirectly procure sacrifices to free his employer, a thrill-seeking billionaire playboy who ran afoul of the Cenobites, the demons within the cube, after getting his hands on the evil Rubik's Cube some years before. And that first unwilling sacrifice is her own brother, which leads to the inevitable drama of her trying to get her brother back. There are new Cenobites, including a new female pinhead, a budget for better effects, but I found that it simply didn't have the low-budget charm or the black humour of the original, For example, in the 1987 film, the first semi-willing victim of the Lament configuration is Frank. And Frank has this over-the-top grubby perversity. And then there's Frank's brother's wife, who he has an affair with, and ropes into helping reanimate him. Her name's Julia, and she has this whole Black Widow-like series of murderous escapades as she lures and then dispatches a series of poor schmucks with a hammer. (laughs) I don't know why I'm laughing, that's really nasty, but it is funny the way it's done. You have to see the 1987 film if you haven't already, and I'm guessing just about everyone has. There's, in this new film, the parallel between a rich deviant playboy and his Gale Maxwell-like procurer of young flesh. I thought that was too on the nose and too obvious. I'd like to add, before I finish talking about Hellraiser, that I do miss Clive Barker's old mate. Bradley Walsh, who's a bit too old to play the iconic Pinhead again. Though it would have been interesting to see aged, pervy sex demons tottering about on slick black vinyl-covered walking sticks. <laughs> that would have been a sight to see. They could have just got the entire old Cenobite cast back. <laughs> Ah, I think that's a case of ageism. So, altogether, Hellraiser 2022, glitzy, there's a few decent jump scares, the effects are better, but it does not really compare to the original, and that is disappointing. Before we end, though, I just wanted to say there's one scene in which one of the Cenobites kind of hobbles along weakly, and then suddenly legs it towards its next victim, and it's such a good jump scare. (laughs) Oh. Oh, well, I've still got the Scarlet Gospels to read that I bought so long ago now, I still haven't got to reading it. That should somewhat console me. Let's move on to something else, and that something else is our Segan. Second... Well, It's in the movie section, but it is thought of by Marvel as a Marvel TV special, and that is Werewolf by Night. You know how much we like werewolves in this podcast, how many times we've talked about them, especially the howling and an American werewolf in London. Here we are with werewolves again in this less than an hour, very schlocky Marvel TV special on Disney Plus called Werewolf by Night. The production of this, short movie, looks as if it could have been ripped from the pages of the old EC Comics horror line, and a 1940s to 1950s black and white monster bee movie. Good stuff. In it, a cult of highly seasoned veteran monster hunters meet to hunt a deadly beast, ...for the prize of inheriting their dead leader's mystical Red Jewel. These instructions are relayed beyond death by their dead leader, whose mutilated and ghastly remains have been badly stuffed and then horribly animated like a puppet on a string. And now, of course, I have like a puppet on the string. Oh, sorry. Sorry. Easily distracted. <laughs> the hunters are a bunch of murderous psychopaths, including this chap, a hulking Scottish lunatic, reminiscent of Austin Powers' baby-eating fat bastard, If the characters from this little movie are sourced from Marvel's back catalogue, I did not recognise them. I think the beast that they are hunting looked familiar, but really, I didn't recognise them. I'm guessing that they are, at least B-listers, because their distinct character designs seem far too imaginative to have just been dreamt up on the spot made up whole cloth by the writers. Back to the main plot. This hunt takes place with each hunter trying to simultaneously kill the monster, claim the prize and dispatch the competition. Our protagonist is a delightful Gael Garcia Bernal who, despite the whitish or glowing facial tattoos looks more like an accountant, albeit an accountant who could possibly be working for the Adams family or the monsters. There is a scene where he repeatedly tries to plant a bomb <laughs> and that is hilarious. The stupid bomb keeps falling out and he has to run with it and try and plant it again? (laughs) It is exactly like something you'd see in an old Laurel and Hardy film. The werewolf creature design is similar to that which originated with Lon Chaney Jr.'s The Wolfman from 1941, and that is a type of snarling monkey man lycanthrope. Leaping around athletically. I'm sure it's used quite a lot. It's used in probably Teen Wolf, the movie, and the TV series. I haven't seen the TV series. And lots of things. That type of bipedal, hairy man lycanthrope. The monster murdering cult reminds me of the Death Squad... From Carl Edward Wagner's fantasy short story *Cold Light*, they have that same warped moral justification for murdering monsters. *Well by Night* is a delightfully nasty and very gory and very funny and lovingly retro and altogether, it's a heartwarming feature that I. Heartily recommend. Yeah, I really enjoyed this one. Next, Interview with a Vampire. Another reboot, this time from AMC 2022, rebooting Anne Rice's short story and novel, both of which we have talked about on this podcast. This time round, it is the main vampire, La Slat, coming to the early 20th century new orleans to turn a different louis same first name different chap this one is rich pimp it is this louis who re-engages with a journalist he met many years before and that journalist is played very enjoyably by eric bogosian Someone who looks familiar, but I don't know what I've seen him in before. He plays a grouchy old hack. I liked that portrayal. Though this is a little like Star Wars The Force Awakens, in that we have different characters playing out a story that we've already seen before. Other than these minor character changes, one major difference to... Anne Rice's work this time round is that the new Louis and Lestat are definitely gay. There's no reading between the lines, there's zero ambiguity. I wonder if that's because of Anne Rice's son Christopher Rice's influence. It's not a bad show, I won't be following it. There's just too much else on TV and to read that is filling up my internal hard disk space. That was Interview with a Vampire. Let us move on to The Midnight Club. The Midnight Club is a new Mike Flanagan Netflix show. It is based on a young adult horror series of novels with a mystical bent by cult author Christopher Pike. Not his real name, it's... something McFadden. The novels it is based on are interesting, for a horror-slash-mystery series, as they get relatively deep into Eastern religion and mysticism, like Hinduism, for example, in a way that isn't shallow. Unfortunately, this is not carried into the TV adaptation. I definitely think that this is a missed opportunity, as my culture is usually exploited with a weirdly Orientalist point of view in Western media. They could have used this as an opportunity to use bits of the culture in much the same way that Christopher Pike did. Particularly if my memory serves me well in regards to reincarnation. Back to the books, before we go on to the show, I have a particular fondness for this literary franchise. I thoroughly enjoyed the first novel of the series, that was lent to me by a cousin in Mauritius many years ago. I also liked that they used the iconic logo from the cover of that book to represent the show. And on to the show itself now. In the first episode, a teenage girl with terminal cancer moves to a hospice for teenagers in a similar predicament to, as they say in the show, Transition. While she's there, she joins the Midnight Club. This is a club in which all those teenagers gather at midnight to swap ghost stories, and also promise to try and contact the others post-mortem when they die. The first story is about a boy getting lost and then being subjected to repeated jump scares by a malevolent Sadako type. So many times that it becomes a hilarious parody of the trope the new girl herself spins the group a spookily embellished story loosely based on a previous hospice patient who really did exist, who later went into full remission, an outcome she hopes to emulate and the covert reason for her moving to the hospice in the first place. Given that the show is about teenagers, Who are living out their final days in a hospice? A grim setup. It is done in a way that is more suspenseful than sad, and does remain hopeful. Most of the plot revolves around the spooky surroundings, the house and the woods, and the basement. Of course, the basement and follows our main protagonist in her quest to uncover the mystery of the girl from 1968 who went into remission. The rest of the plot is the Midnight Club framing device narrative, with supernatural stories told by other patients that give off a few goosebump vibes, but it's really aimed at a more mature audience. And... I'm possibly the most mature audience there can be. No, I'm not that old, but I'm not young. I'm not a teenager. And the elevator scene in episode three scared me so much that I hid under my blanket. I'm looking at that blanket right now. It is one of those furry fluffy throws. And I pulled that right up to my eyes (laughs) and sank into the sofa (laughs) That very rarely happens to me. The cast also plays parts in the stories they tell, including the Doctor who's in charge of the hospice. She plays a number of roles. (laughs) The one I liked the most was when she plays a tattooed old lady rocker satan (laughs) she looks really cool both the main plot and the midnight club members schlocky stories are very engaging and i am very much enjoying the show i only have i think three episodes left to watch of it i've box-setted most of it by now i'm disappointed that they didn't include much of the Hinduism or Buddhism stuff on the show. There are little hints of that kind of thing. For example, the Buddhist statuary on the doctor's desk. But that's just lip service, really. There could have been more. But altogether, I am enjoying the show. If you want to hear what I think of Mike Flanagan's past work, like Midnight Mass and Haunting of Bly Manor, I reviewed both in episode 413. I am also looking forward to Mike Flanagan's The Fall of the House of Usher later this year, that I believe will also be a framing device type narrative. Though I'm not too fond of the story The Gold Bug. I think that's the name of the story. I really don't like that Edgar Allan Poe story. It's one of the few Edgar Allan Poe stories I hate. Finally, late breaking, I read that the first episode containing 21 jump scares, has been inducted into the Guinness Book of Records. For having the most jump scares in any media ever. And that is The Midnight Club. Definitely worth a watch. Could have leaned into Eastern mysticism and religions a bit more. That is it for my talk about horror this week. Let's just move on to a few final non-science fiction, fantasy and horror topics. And then we are done. Stable Diffusion. Well, when I say non-genre-related, actually, there is some relation in this next article about Stable Diffusion, the open source software made by Stability AI. One of several AI-based tools that takes in a text string, and from that seed produces art Derived from a vast database of images. Last Friday, I fed an online implementation of Stable Diffusion AI at Hugging Face, a website, the following text string McCoy, Spock, Kirk, as one, Star Trek, in space, all lowercase. And that generated an image. Which would be (laughs) the ultimate avuncular, though slightly uncanny, male. I always had this idea growing up from watching Star Trek when I was very young that my ideal uncle would be some combination of Kirk, Spock and McCoy. And now I've made that (laughs) being... Someone pointed out that I'd done something similar to what happened on Star Trek Voyager with Melix and Tuvok when they merged in a transporter accident into a new being called Tuvix. I don't know what we'd call McCoy, Spock, Kirk. Ah, Kirk, Spock, McCoy. Jim Spock. Bones Jim Spock Bones Jibones Jaspock Bones I don't know I'm being very silly Okay I've opened the image in front of me and it's very spock with uh bangs shiny hair It is generally A cool and interesting and slightly disturbing image. I think the nose is Kirk. The eyes are McCoy. The eyebrows and hair and ears are Spock. And the chin might be Kirk as well. And the character's in the blue science uniform in front of an oval starfield a lighted halo type thing around it. I also made a second attempt. Before I'd finalised the topic areas of this episode, I was going to use it as a title image. I used this text string in title case. Ancestors feed diffusion of purvy demon vampires after midnight and that produced a set of four images oh i don't think i'm going to be able to describe these very well the first is a black and white tangle of bodies actually all these images apart from the star trek one that i just mentioned are in black and white a tangle of bodies in a sort of ...odd, orgiastic... ...bundle? On the left there's a woman with longish curly hair, I think... ...and on the right there's... ...a muscular guy who looks slightly Japanese... ...and there's just a whole bundle of bodies in the middle... ...wading in there. The second image looks... ...like... ...a... ...devilish-looking creature on the left with a naked woman stroking his shoulder and her hand sticking out behind her, grasping a sort of tail-like thing. I think I can see where the source images of these are coming from. I think that might have been originally a naked woman riding a broom, perhaps, and just a tall, impish-like creature. The third image is... Another multiple bunch of people together. There's two main figures. The one on the left seems to be male with the sort of beaky head, giving a woman either a sonogram with some kind of weird object. The woman in the middle is blonde and pregnant, Between them, crouching down, is another shadowy figure with a slightly pig-like face. After the woman is a sort of blackish shadowish figure with an indistinct face. And then right on the right, there's another blonde woman with a very bulky-looking face. Uh, The woman in the middle, who's pregnant, seems attractive. And the final image are two figures, humanoid again. Uh, There's kind of shadowy bit above them, with a sort of swirling D-shape. Then on the left, there's a grinning woman. And on the right, there's a grinning, tall, bulky man with a widow's peak in a suit with a small tie, big face, very like a terrifying henchman slash butler. The woman is blonde and has her hair in a ponytail and is grinning, and they appear to be holding hands. When I finalised the topics that I wanted to talk about in this episode, the key topics that is, my last attempt used the text string, again in title case, Midnight Werewolf Sex Demon Vampire, which is also the title of this week's episode. That got me the title image for this episode, which could pass for a black metal album cover. It's actually pretty cool. It is unsettling as well. There is some kind of indistinct black metal-ish writing that looks like an English font, maybe crossed with a runic font dripping. You can't really make out what the words are. It's indistinct, but those are along the top. Two words, something and something. (laughs) Indie. dire. dragonut. <laughs> Two words gap in the middle. Then there's a. oh, this one's going to be difficult to describe. It's a hooded female thin figure with three legs. <laughs> the legs look like well the leg on my left hand side would be sort of short and truncated with the furry-ish ending the leg in the middle coming right out the groin region and similar but then it extends a bit to like a three-pronged web then the last leg is like a horse's leg, you know, with that bend that goes the other way. A bit like a devil's leg thing. No cloven hoof, though, at the end. And she is darkish, covered in fur, perhaps. Her arms are stretched either side of her, like Wolverine about to attack you, and she's got clawish, hairy fingers. The figure is naked, and she has a hood, and there's the swirly wing-like shadow thing behind her. Not at shoulder height, but at bum height, actually. It is very metal. I've talked about this enough now. You can try this yourself. Just be aware that another online app that uses the API called HotPot AI, balked at my last text string and censored it and refused to produce any images at all. If you do try this, especially if you have my kind of mind, (laughs) I'll wish you happy nightmares. New old Mike Knight. I said at the top of the show that the new mic was warming up, and yes, I'm on the Shore SM7B. I'm biting the bullet, and I'm back on the Shure SM7B. I'm giving it another go. This is a mic that I bought many months ago, but never gave it a proper try. There was, as I said at the top of the show, some faffing about... I didn't know what was wrong. Turned out it was nothing to do with the hardware, nothing to do with the mic. Well, maybe the hardware, I'm not sure, but not the mic, not my mixer. But some delightful noise Windows decided to add, which seems to happen when I disconnect and reconnect my cables while the computer is powered up. Looking for hardware problems when it was software was a real head-scratcher, let me tell you that. I finally got it plugged in and ready to go, and again, through my analog setup, it required no extra power from a mic booster. My feeling is that newer digital gear just doesn't have the juice that even my cheapo Yamaha MG06 mixer can supply, So that is something to bear in mind. You might not need a mic booster. And that is a very annoying thing because I bought myself a mic booster ages and ages ago when I didn't know what I was doing and here you are. Turns out I didn't need it anyway. I'm harping on about that because mics like the Shure SM7B and the mic that I had on the stand before, the SM58. According to common knowledge on the internet, or require a mic booster, that's not always the case. I have used this mic before, then put it away again, because while it sounded better than all my previous mics, I have also bought, I think in this order, the audio technica AT 80-275R, the Behringer XM8500 and the Shaw SM58. The reason I put it away and was too scared to use it for so long was, like many people, especially whose life revolves around audio, I'm technologically conservative. I'm a podcaster who, when something isn't broke, Why fix it, and many other cliches along those lines. Also, the form factor of the SM-7B is not something I'm used to. It's a bit like staring into the business end of a bazooka. And now I turn my head to look at it, and man, it is big and intimidating. Yeah. The sound should be better tonight, fingers crossed. I'm actually looking at my mixer board, and the settings are exactly the same as I had them for the SM58. No extra gain needed. It's not even maxed out. Enough mic waffle, final bit of tech. I have with my old new computer. Have you notice everything's old new? Generously passed on to me by a friend, a point-of-view TGT GeForce 560 Ti graphics card. Unfortunately, that came with a noisy fan. Even after thorough cleaning and disassembly and reassembly, it was still noisy, and that is unacceptable when you're a podcaster. So I removed this, possible for mild gaming, card to make my recordings quieter, and yeah, it is quieter. When I upgrade, and that will come pretty soon, I'm looking at finding myself a fanless graphics card. Finally, hot hot takes regarding the top of the show. Didn't I say I'd limit myself to shorter off-topic hot takes? Well, I did, didn't I? Although, towards the end, I did stray probably more into tech than I needed to do for a science fiction fantasy and horror pod. It is somewhat surprising that I didn't rant some more at the top of the show, as I've been boiling with the heat of a thousand suns since... Another email from my energy provider, Ovo, hiking up our direct debit to 70% of our total average monthly spend. 70%. You would have thought that they knew that people had other bloody bills to pay and food to buy. I'm not the only one in this situation. Have a look on Twitter. Have a look on Twitter at what people are saying to UK energy companies. Just to rub salt into the wound, do you know how they offered to help with these new exorbitant direct debits? They pointed me at several charities instead of doing the right thing by making less profit and charging us less. Yeah, they did that through email and they did that with a letter that says, if you can't pay, here, go to these charities that don't have anything to do with us. What a bunch of total bastards. Ah, rant mode, disengaged. Upcoming Classic Doctor Who. Like I said, I'm back, so expect two shows per week-ish. Not very reliably, but I hope frequently. I always say what day it's coming out on, and I record on Monday. It goes out on Wednesday. I record on Wednesday. It goes out on Friday, two shows per week. That is the ideal. That never happens. Something always goes wrong. But I do frequently produce shows, less frequently recently. But I've been guessing that I've been putting up, let's see, about eight a month for a long time now. Would be the ideal. That doesn't always happen, but around that number, at least that's what I'm aiming for. There's this one, which you just listened to, which is all things geek, pop culture, science fiction, fantasy, and horror. And the other one is our continuing classic Doctor Who rewatch, which will be Warrior's Gate and will conclude the eSpace trilogy. And that will be available, hopefully, on Friday. My throat is getting very croaky now, and my legs are giving up. Let's talk briefly about Doctor Who, The Power of the Doctor. It was nice to see that widely circulated PR photograph tweeted by SFX on the 4th of October of Ace, the last classic Doctor's companion, the companion of Sylvester McCoy, in her old gear. The black flight jacket with patches and wielding a baseball bat, though she really should stand further from that wall, you don't really want to lean up against a wall, while hauling a backpack full of Nitro-9 grenades. Highly unstable. You can actually hear me interviewing Sophie Aldred in episode 99 late breaking, the BBC tweeted on the 8th of October that The Power of the Doctor, our final outing with Jodie Whittaker, will be released on the 23rd of October. Not long now. Though this show does include a Doctor Who podcast, classic Doctor Who podcast, and I talk about Doctor Who every now and then, don't expect me to talk about The Power of the Doctor much more pre-release, as I don't want to spoil the story for myself, like I almost did with the last special. And that, my fellow geeks, is it. The show that you just listened to is produced, presented, and edited by me, Roy Matur, a writer Matur is spelt M-A-T-H-U-R. You can find more about me or get in touch at roymatour.com. If you want to help, please review and rate the show on whatever platform you listen, recommend it to a friend or enemy, or click on the contact or support link on the website. Thanks for tuning in. You were listening to Captain Roy's Rusty Rocket Radio Show, the UK Geek Science Fiction Fantasy and Horror Podcast. This was episode 459, recorded on Monday, the 10th of October 2022, but we have been talking for so long, it is now, Tuesday the 11th of October 2022, and the time at the end of the show is 005435. Thanks for listening, and bye bye for now. Bye!